this is Lisa Pierce, Executive Editor of Packaging Digest, with another episode of Packaging Possibilities, a podcast that reveals what's new and what's next for packaging executives and engineers, designers, and developers. In this episode, I'm talking with John Ford from Select Seal Packaging Machinery, where he provides sales and technical assistance. We're going to learn more about the company's new machine, which is a first in the medical market. So um, I understand that the machine that we're talking about, the ProMax on-demand system, is a tray sealer uh, specifically for the medical industry, correct? Correct. Um, So one of the unique advantages of this system is that it does on-demand printing and cutting of the lid stock. stock. And um, you say that this is a first in the industry. Is that what the first is? Is that it's both on-demand printing and cutting of lid stock? Yeah, uh, pretty much, Lisa. To kind of explain it, put it in perspective, is... Most of the trade sealers of this type out there today are for a food product. And and typically they'll take a pre-printed material and they'll run it through uh, and seal it to a tray and then cut it out as a seal. So they'll actually cut the film out as they seal it and then it'll exit the machine. And and these the problem with these machines is they're not used to uh, 45 mil, 50 mil PETG trays and they're not used to tieback. So the whole okay. sealing process was developed for food. Uh, so everybody out there trying to run medical trays on it or having a difficult time with alignments in, in the sealing parameters and trying to cut tie back with a serrated knife instead of a die punch. So with that said, we had developed a rotary sealing machine that we've sold numerous of historically. So we know that technology is 100% proven and validatable. Okay. So to that, we wanted to add, now, how do we automate the system of putting a top sheet on the tray? Because typically today, they're hand-loaded. You hand-load a tray you put with your device, you put your top sheet on, and you run it through the system. That's how the medical ones work. Mm-hmm. So what we've done is we take a roll stock of tieback, unprinted, and we size it to the exact width of the tray, so there's no side trim. We run it through a Bellmark uh, a UV printer. So we can run one color or, or eight colors. We print the material and we cut it to length of that tray that we're currently running. And then we pick it with a robot. We align it with a camera system. We pick it with a robot and place it in the machine. So we literally have no scrap trim. We've pre-cut it. So there's no stress on the seals while we're trying to cut and it's placed in the machine. So it, it's really on demand in the sense that you don't have to carry a bunch of lid stocks in stock. Like if you have 20 SKUs, you've got to have 20 SKUs of cut sheets printed. There's a good chance of mixing them up. With this system and the camera, there's a pre-camera and a cleaning system right after the roll. We verify the prints correct for that SKU. Okay. So no and, mix that's, up. and that's also validatable? Absolutely. Okay. A couple of questions that I have for you. Is this new sealer then considered an inline system, whereas your others were rotary? 
it, it, it continues to be rotary once okay. the tray is placed in there. So the tray will be placed in either by a human or with a robot. A camera system will check it that all the components are there and complete. It'll verify it back to the printer. So we know that print's going to match and uh, through a camera system and to a, scan, a scanning system. And then it will go into uh, the second position where the lid is placed. And it will go into the, the third position where it is sealed. In the fourth position, where it's removed uh, by a robot onto a conveyor system. Okay, excellent. I understand the steps involved, and I've seen both um, inline tray sealers, mm -hmm. as you already know, mostly from the food industry or used in the Correct. food industry. And I've seen a number of rotary tray um, sealers, both um, medical. Uh, focused as well as just in general for like whatever product. Um, sure. So um, a couple of questions about the benefits of this. Are you able to, what kind of speeds are we looking at? And is an increase in speed one of the benefits of doing it as a, a printed lid stock rather than pre-printed? Yeah, there, there's a, first of, there's a reduction in manpower because the robots are handling the in-feed and off-feed. And then sec secondly, it's, it's, uh, we, we can probably run a consistent 12 to 14 cycles a minute because, again, a person isn't trying to place a lid and line it up. All that's being done, uh, being done automatically. So well, that's, that's typical, uh, typical with a Tyvek and a PEG tray with most of the Fortune 500 medical device guys. Uh, they like to see three to three and a half seconds of seal time. So that's really the limitation. We, you know, we have to have that seal time. We can do everything else in that period of time in about two seconds. Okay. <laughs> in two seconds instead of three and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, how were you able to increase the sealing speed? No, I'm sorry. I apologize for that. It still takes it. I'm saying if we didn't have the three second cycle time required by the Fortune 500 medical device guys, we could run this process in two seconds. Tie back at, at, at 280 degrees with a, a 1074 B tie back, which is a better tie back, we can typically seal it uh, in a second and a half and get perfect peel strength and an excellent quality seal in our sealer. Mm -hmm. Again, I think it's a legacy of three seconds. It's just like, I'm sure you've heard all the peel strengths talk about uh, one, you know, one pound versus two pounds versus there is no standard. Right. It's all over the place as long as you're able to uh, maintain the sterility if it is a uh, sterilizable package um, product in, inside as well. Yes. Um, okay. Is the um, lid stock as it's printed online, is that less expensive than the pre-cut, pre-printed lids? And I understand the improvements from uh, inventory point of view, sure. uh, inventory management point of view, but what about just um, cost in general? It's it's considerable. I, I, they give me a percentage, but as you know, Tyvek is, price has been changed almost daily, monthly, and depending on whether you're running 1074 or some of the new Tyvek's out there, it varies greatly, but the savings is about 40% in actual cost savings of printing online versus buying a pre-printed sheet. That's quite substantial. Yeah, I can't give you the, the, the dollar amount or the penny amount for it because sure. 
that price just I'd say something today and it could change tomorrow. Well, so they, not only that, but I'm sure it's dependent on the product that's inside as far as how much um, information you need. For example, a single product versus a kit. Sure. Obviously, is going to have uh, more things. On, on a, for, for instance, on a 28-inch long uh, tray that's eight inches wide, the scrap savings alone over a conventional tray sealer is 25%. So that's a huge number. So if you're, you know, if you're 224 square inches of Tyvek and you don't have any side trim, which is 56 square inches, that's 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 a big number. How would you get away from not having a side trim? I would imagine that this sealer um, has the flexibility of handling a variety of different tray styles. Correct. Um, so is that just a, a way of managing the order of the roll stock? Yes. So what we're, what we're doing is, for instance, the one, the current one that's in production has five different web with trays. So you do have five SKUs of tieback. But, you know, it's unprinted tieback. The roll can sit there forever. So you've got five SKUs instead of we're running 28 different trays, five different widths. So you have the savings of 23 SKUs of material. And also that doesn't have to be pre-printed because you still have to, you know, you still have to print. So when you do a lid for a, a, a trocar or an endoscopic tray, typically the print can be there, but then you have to come back and print your expiration date and your lot code on it. So you still have to take that lid and stick it in a printer manually and print it. So we're printing the whole thing. Uh, we, okay. we scan in a worksheet, a route sheet from the customer, and that will tell you how many trades we're going to run and what the date, code date is. That information is fed to the camera, so there's a complete check all the way through the process. Okay. And are you able to maybe give any details on the inspection technology that you're using in uh, the machine? Yeah, we're using uh, – and, and that's, again, that's kind of – Customer specific. In this case, we're using a Cognix system. The software uh, is our own. It's a proprietary software we use. Um, it, it, we've used it for a number of years to be able to look at the, um, to be able to scan in and follow the process uh, through the machine. Okay. So it's constantly being checked as it goes through the machine. I need to get a better handle on the no scrap. Oh, okay. So I understand that um, you're sizing the width and then yep. you say you're able to do the cutting um, is that prior to the the lid stock being positioned on the tray yeah correct so one of the benefits we have is our parent company is Ontario die company and for 100 years they've built punch dies for thermoforming equipment and uh, I was a customer of theirs for, for a number of years. So they are building the cutting system for it. So in some cases, some of the SKUs use square corners because it's, it's tie back and the PETGs already got round corners. In other cases, they want to be a, a different peel tab corner, so we need to do a round corner. So we have a, it, so it comes off the uh, a, a roll through a dancer system, then it goes through the printer. When it comes out the printer, it goes through a series of uh, static clean web cleaners where it cleans any debris created. Yep. And then we have an ODC die that has change out cartridges. So it's a, it's about a five minute changeover to change the cartridge width. 
if we're running all square corners, you don't have to change because it's just this, you know, steel roll knife going across. Yep. Mm-hmm. So there, there is, there is. When I say it didn't say exactly scrapless, there's probably a quarter inch strip that's taken out because we use a dog bone to punch the punch the tie back. Okay, um, dog bone. I'm not familiar with that. Uh, dog bone is a is a male female die, and it literally is shaped like a dog bone. It gives you the round corners. Okay. So on the end, it's got some round corners, and and they, it's just a term that they've used for years. Okay, excellent. First time I've heard it. Awesome. Yeah. Um, thank you for that. That's that's a lot of fun. I like the yeah. insider uh, information on that. Okay, and um, so the product loading could be manual or robotic. Correct. Okay. Yeah, and the reason reason for some of that is is a lot of times they will have prior to our machine they'll have a cleaning station where they literally clean the instrument, they blow out the blister, make sure everything's out of there. So you may have a very simple blister that you have a, uh, a catheterization tool in there, and that's it. There's no other parts to it. There's no tubing or anything, which is very easy to load in the machine and check. In other cases, we might have three or four components in there with a, uh, with the scissors or, or a kit, if you, as you've seen before, there might be tubing. And, and in, the, in that case, typically they'll load, load that product manually and you'll have to actually lift it in because a lot of times there's a retainer that goes on there before the tieback. So how you present it depends on really how simple the instrument is. Uh, the one we're doing right now, they want to hand load it because they want a final check of the tray and the components even before the camera looks at it. Okay, so that's a human visual inspection. That's which- correct is always helpful, always helpful. Okay, so then the position of the the lid, which has been printed and um, cut, the length cut in advance, is that also either manual or robotic? Uh, Yeah, that goes on to a conveyor. And that's where we have a camera system that's looking at the four corners of it. And it's adjusting the robot in all directions. So when we pick the sheet, we will adjust that robot to where the tray is going to set the machine so that the, the top web will be loaded into the machine automatically. Okay, so it's mechanically positioned. Yes, and inside the tooling of the machine, there are pins, so we will actually drop it down, drop the tie back down into a series of pins that holds it in place as it rotates. The Is the flange of medical trays usually a little bit wider than, say, a food tray? Yeah, typically the, the spec is 0.49, so it's almost a half an inch, and it's usually plus, you know, plus or minus 0.01. So yeah, they're quite a bit wider. So we we've got we've really got it down to the science on our sealers because we've run so many of them on how many pounds per square inch it takes to seal uh, a 1074 tie back to PET G, regardless of uh, you know they've got different sealants they've come out with here lately. Uh, Amcor and some of the other companies, and we really hadn't had to adjust that pressure at all. Again, most of the Fortune 500 run almost twice as much pressure than actually required. I'm assuming that the seal is still a heat seal. Are you investigating ultrasonic at all? Is ultrasonic even anywhere appropriate for this type of application? No, not not for a peel seal. A peel okay. seal, you know, the adhesive is ah. is the critical step, and 
again, when we when we validate or when we FAT the machines before they leave with our customers, we will run and seal 500 trays. And from that, and we'll from that we will take six spots on each tray and do a peel test. Uh, and when then we'll do we'll we'll do bell curves to show what that peel looks like, and you'll be amazed at it, it, how tight that peel is. So if we set it and we're running a pound and a half, it will it will go from 1.3 to 1.6. We can really hit that target. Uh, we're using a servo system for the ceiling, okay. and we're controlling it with a proportion error system and a, a, a load cell. So we're monitoring the whole system for the load cell. So our load cell doesn't start our timer until we hit our, our 225 pounds. Okay. I am familiar with load cells, but more from the point of view of, say, a food operation, typically working with a combination scale um, into a, a vertical form fill seal. Could you explain a little bit more about the load cell so I, I understand the, the benefit of this here? Sure. And, and 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 why we why we use it is in in the in the older machines with air pressures we could take we always use cylinders we never use bladders in our seal head and the reason we did that is we can measure the diameter and the and the stroke of a of a cylinder and we if we apply fifty pounds that cylinder we knew exactly how much it'll generate with a bladder you can't do that because you don't know how much you've really blown that bladder up so therefore in medical we always use cylinders. To double check that number and make sure we're right, we'll put a load cell underneath the tooling to make sure that pressure matches. Okay. And that's our QC point because if we're setting it at 225 pounds and we hit 210 pounds, it's rejected. So we're constantly looking at uh, looking at that. It's our it's our system of of validating what the machine is actually doing. Because when you go to servo, if you're just looking off the the information from the servo that's electronic signal that's not always your best way to do it you really want a more uh, a precise method like a load cell instead of a, a servo generated number okay and i believe that's also required it's been a while john um since i've been up on the regulations but i, I believe that double check from a validation point of view is required by 21 cfr part 11 correct sure that's correct. Okay. All right. We've come a long way since, you know, the, the good old days when nothing was uh, digital and nothing was electronic. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. And I think by going to the, you know, the pack out, we learned why a lot of this stuff is important, uh, you know, for the sterility of a, of a package. Mm -hmm. um, could you tell me a little bit about what the smart tool change is all about? Yeah. So, again, if you... Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen a tool change on a food machine. Uh, for thermoforming? No, uh, for a tray sealer. Okay. Okay, so the entire, first of all, the bottom the bottom tool comes out, which is pretty normal because it has to change each size, and it usually comes out on a rack. The problem is the upper tool, you got to remove the entire seal head. So you're moving the seal head, you're taking all the heaters out, you're taking the knife system out, perimeter knife system, and typically – a change out on that for a 20 to 22 inch tray is around 55 to $75,000 for the components. And it's it's probably a good half hour, even with all the automation they've got today of racks and pulling it out. You've got to drop the heat, you've got to unplug the heaters, you've got to unplug the air, you've got, you know, you've got to be careful of the knife hanging in there. 
because it's a serrated knife. It's a very sharp knife. So is that, is that 30 minutes just for the top? Um, yeah, or is that total? So. You know, I, I hate okay. to say that because there's all different, you know, there's five or six tin manufacturers of this type of system. Some have done a much better job than others, and, and those that aren't are certainly improving because that's a big deal. But again, most food tray sealers will run the same product over and over. They don't, it's not, not they're not changing it like the medical. We might change this thing three times in one day. So what we've done <clears throat> over the years, and again, this is through working with a customer and testing, uh, and we happen to have one of our sealers at, at one of the major medical device customers in their test labs, so we get a lot of good feedback. We use a flat seal plate on top, and then uh, we the, so our only change out are the four lower tools, and those tools are about ten or about eight thousand dollars for a set of four, and then what we do is we. We get specially made gaskets for sealing on the bottom. We raise those, make, we make them thick, and we run them. I won't tell you the durometer. We run a very specific durometer on the bottom. What does durometer mean? It's the hardness of the rubber of the gasket. Got it. That's very mm -hmm. critical in sealing Tyvek. Mm -hmm. And by controlling the, by controlling that, we're able to use one flat seal plate and not get any bleed through because of our gasket design. So we get a perfectly sealed with no bleed through with a flat plate. So there's no upper change at all, nothing to do. You just pull out the tool. They're on pins. They're not bolted down. You just pull them out and reload four more for the next product. That's genius. Genius. Yeah, so do you have a video uh, of the changeover by any chance uh, or the operation of the machine? Not yet. No, this, okay. is the first, this is the first one we're building. Okay. This is the very first machine we're building. And it came up, again, it came about because of problems with trying to Use a food, you know, the biggest problem with the food machine is you're sealing hot tie back at 270, 280 degrees for three minutes. Then you're going to try to take a serrated knife and cut it on the edge of that hot seal. So you're literally pulling on it because you're cutting with a serrated knife, not punching it. And it loosens the seal. But tie back, if you take it. Especially if it's a, a peel seal. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. If you take a fresh tie back tray out of the machine and peel it, it'll pop right off. It won't even take a half a pound. You have to let it cool. Mm -hmm. So that's not the place to, to uh, cut it within the machine. Okay. That makes total sense. Total sense. Um, that is uh, fascinating. I, I really can't wait to see that. Are you going to be um, exhibiting this anywhere anytime soon? Well, we our original intent was to take it to Chicago. Okay. To, the show. Expo. Yeah. And our problem is, is we were building two, one for a customer and then another one. And the second one got sold. Ah. So, so we're, we're behind on right now. So we'll probably, it probably won't be till the MDM or, or Vegas. Okay. In 2023. Okay. Excellent. Well, congratulations on that. It sounds like there's a real need for this in the industry if it's if the sales are moving that quickly. Believe me, Lisa, I wanted to, I wanted so bad to get one in Chicago. It's just, you know, it, the, the whole business at ODC and tooling and that, like everybody else, they're just they're just jammed with with orders. You know, once the COVID kind of released and and now the surgeries are taking all surgeries. It's just it, it, the business is going crazy, yes. as you know. Yes, um, which is sort of good news, bad news. I, yeah. I hear you. 
Um, okay, just a couple more questions about that. Um, and just, uh, you know, um, I'm sure you're, you're, if you have the opportunity of doing this, I'm sure you'll do this, but either one of those machines before it ships to the customer, um, if you could do video on that and at least have the video at Pack Expo, um, that'll make all the difference in the world too. Yeah, that's what we're going to try to do. Okay. So I understand um, that this system is also a class seven clean room compatible. Tell me a little bit more about what that means. And is class seven, you know, class, good enough? Yeah, class seven is one hundred thousand. Uh, when you go to the next step, it's it's ten thousand. That's more for microchips. Just a quick correction: instead of class seven, it is class eight. That is the one hundred thousand clean room designation. So typically, people will be, um, you know, gowned up with with a hair. Uh, the the reason we we push it is one of the things I learned a long time ago, and, and the reasons we we're we're getting rid of air is the the biggest enemy in a clean room is a bio burden, and the bio burden is any air that you put in the machine you have to take out of the room. And the same thing with the size of the machine, the floor space, all that adds to the bio burden. So this machine, we virtually eliminated all air. Everything is runs off servo. We're going to have five or six access to servos. There is a slight amount of air that has to be used for the printer, but we will exit that from the room. So it was very important to us on all the machines we build that we're able to come in and reduce the footprint and reduce the uh, bio burden that the machine would create in the room. But these rooms are getting they're getting packed with equipment because the clean room is very expensive, as you can imagine. Yes. And a system like this, especially if you're doing manual loading, uh, you don't really have an opportunity to have this be its own. Um, hang on, I know what that word is. Uh, uh, <laughs> an aseptic um, Eh, environment. Yeah. I, they call it something else. I can't, the word's not coming to my mind right now, but I understand what that is. Yeah, you typically, like in a class, class seven, uh, you typically wouldn't use, you know, you wouldn't have HEPA filters over the machines and stuff. You have, you cover up the webs, the unwinds, and, you know, you take, you, you, you clean the product with static elimination and things like that. So there's a lot um, that goes into it to um, uh, make it. Uh, work in the specific applications that you've already mentioned from a medical point of view. So endoscopic instruments, trocars, which um, at, once you mentioned trocars, I went on the internet and I'm like, oh, okay, that's what a trocar yeah, is. <laughs> there's a lot of them. Yeah, a lot of simple instruments. And it, yeah. it could do medical trays. It could do, I mean, you could do hips trays in it. You know, hips right now is kind of like a, a forbidden in some of the in some of the facilities, but but it can it can run you know anything that's that's that rigid and can hold up from you know there's some 12 mil materials out there that it could run and it can run it really wouldn't care it could run 100 mil if anybody ever wanted to do it because we're not we're not punching it out so right right um, uh, very interesting how the not only the design of the machine but the process that you've uh, made sure that it fits for this particular application. Now, you, you mentioned that the two machines that you were working on have already been sold, so you've already got customers. Um, is there anything you can say about either the customer itself or the customer's application? 
And did uh, you learn learn anything as you were working with these customers to kind of um, adjust the machine even more? Yeah, Lisa, Lisa, what we do, this is what is interesting about this machine. So um, the current customer uh, has a has a food machine that they're mm-hmm. they're I, I won't say it's running badly, but they're 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 producing product on it right now. And we're looking for, and I saw it run, and that kind of inspired me to like, boy, this is not the way to do it, especially when you're cutting hot Tyvek. So we came back and said, look, we, our, our mission is to try to get the customers in the Fortune 500 group to actually work with us in partnership on a machine, which is very hard to do because, you know, you get into that we, they thing. So, mm-hmm. but what I found out over the years, and I've been doing this for about 40 years now, is the customers are coming around now because it is their machine. If they're going to spend 700 to a million and a half to buy a machine, it should be what they want. So we were very fortunate to have this the perfect customer that said that we asked to take part in the design of this. And we said, look, you've got 15 or 20 sealers we've done. We know how to seal the product. We know that works. So let's go to the print and cut end. And now we're with our parent company that's an expert in cutting, and we've worked with several printing companies that are expert in printing, already doing this on its facilities. And we came together as a group. Uh, myself and Michelle, our engineers, designed the concept. We literally brought the customer in, and together we refined it and came up with a machine that we all feel is going to come out of the box and work 100%. Okay. So it's really our probably our second or third kind of full choice venture where the customer is participating. Mm-hmm. So that always makes for a better job because we're all in it. It's their machine. And, you know, we're, we're all going to take responsibility for this process working. So it's, it's just a really, it's been a really good relationship. Great. Um, and yeah. yet you're able to take the design and maybe sell it to other companies in the medical industry. Yes. Yes, okay. we own the design. One, one thing we do do those, we do share those designs with, with the customer again, we when we look at it is we're not in the we don't think they're in the business of building machines. I'm not going to build a medical device, so right. we need to, we need to trust each other and move forward on this. So historically, the companies I've had, we've always given the drawings to the customer. We give them a bill of materials. We've even given them our vendors' part numbers. Anything to make it easier to run and maintain that machine. And I, I, you know, to this day, Lisa, I can go back and uh, I can go up to Norfolk, Nebraska and see a machine that I built 27 years ago. They totally take care of it themselves. Uh, they know it inside and out. And it's, 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 you know, exactly how I want it to be. Okay. That's win-win then. And that's what's going to help uh, continue the innovation and uh, advancement cycle in the industry. Um, uh, this is a, a perfect example of yeah, you how really get that works. with med- you really get that with medical device. I so wish the food guys would realize that. I mean, when we sell a machine to medical, you know, we get a book four inches thick of specifications, and yeah, yeah, it's a pain to read, but you know what? It's it's what it is. You build a machine to that spec. There's no argument at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. I remember Excellent. years ago building a hot dog machine, finishing it up. They forgot to tell me the hot dogs are frozen. until we got ready for checkout i mean (laughs) you should have known that i said okay (laughs) so stupid me 
I don't know. Uh, okay, um, except for this example, I don't know of any hot dog manufacturer, producer, um, who freezes the dogs before they package them. Uh, that just seems a little bizarre to me, but okay. Uh, That's obviously probably why he's out of business. One of them do. Yeah. <laughs> he's at St. Louis. <laughs> Okay, John, thank you so very much. Um, this has been uh, very interesting to learn about this new technology and um, uh, I can't wait to see it in action, either in a video or in person. So thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. It was great meeting you. <laughs>